Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast, the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine with the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice, strategies, and tips from experts without the fluff. Your host, Caroline Belinska, the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. With over 10 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce, she shares her knowledge and interviews the experts to help you in your journey to success. Now, here's your host, Caroline Belinska. Hi, welcome everyone. I'm so excited to have a lovely guest here today. It's Chloe Thomas and Chloe and I have, we first met a few years ago and in that couple of years we have been trying to get together and do some stuff. Chloe actually runs her own e-commerce marketing business and she's been doing it since 2003. And just recently I was actually on her live summit and she's invited me on as a guest And we realized that we have so much in common and we have so many different things to talk about. So I wanted to get her here today to talk about what she's doing, what she's seeing in the industry, because being around for so many years, she definitely has a lot of information that she can share with all of you. So Chloe has actually written, it's, I think it's five books now, get her to give us a little bit more information about that. But she works with all types of clients. She's actually had a couple of clients in Australia as well, which is fantastic. And she works with a lot of clients in the UK, but also around the world. So let's welcome Chloe and I'll get some more information from her. So hi, Chloe. How are you today? Hey, Caroline. I am good. And it's really nice to be chatting with you again because I always enjoy our conversations. So hopefully your listeners will too. Wonderful. The last time you and I just got on a call, just the two of us privately, it was meant to be, oh, we'll just jump on a chat for 15 minutes and it ended up being nearly an hour. So let's see how long this interview goes for today. (laughs) I know that I've got so many questions that I know that things that you talk about in general are very, very helpful for people. So first let's start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your history and what you can actually, what you do with people when it comes to e-commerce. Oh my gosh. So much to tell. Um, so I've been working in e-commerce since, as you said, about 2003. I've done, I've done client side for big kind of omni-channel, multi-channel retailers. I've looked after paper mailings. I've looked after email marketing, affiliates, AdWords, all that kind of stuff. Then um, back in 2007, I started a marketing agency focused on helping retailers market their business online. After 10 years of running that, I finally stopped doing that and sold it last year. And that meant I got to focus completely on e-commerce master plan, which was um, was absolutely brilliant because an e-commerce master plan, what I do is I help e-commerce business owners and marketers solve their marketing problems. And that is the thing I've enjoyed doing most for the last, what, 15 years now is solving marketing problems, finding that nugget of data, which is going to make everything awesome or that marketing method that's going to transform a business or just helping give clarity on plans, really. And that's, that's what I do at e-commerce Mars plan via a whole range of different things. So I work with a few people one-on-one. I do lots of kind of marketing audits and website audits. And I also, as you mentioned, I've written five books about e-commerce, which are all out there to help people make their businesses better. And then there's the podcast and the virtual summit as well. So yeah, I get to spend all my days doing things I absolutely love. It's, I'm very lucky. So a question, do you have any free time? <laughs> Actually, um, increasing amounts of free time year on year. I seem to seem to have somehow managed to crack the code of working slightly less every year and earning quite a bit more. Um, yeah, which, that's fantastic. 
I'm not quite sure how I've done it, but um, but I actually I will share one one little tip with your audience, which is a couple of years ago, I decided to stop working on weekends because I'd reached the point, and many of your listeners may be in this position, where you you're like it's like Wednesday Thursday, you're oh that's a big project, I'll leave that for Saturday, um, I'll leave that for Saturday when I've got no no um, distractions, and I realised that. If I stop saying it, I'll leave it for Saturday, I could have got it done on Thursday and mm. then I could have had Saturday off. So I gave myself a barrier. Um, I said, you're not allowed to work weekends anymore. And I think that almost within about two months, sales started going up despite the fact I was now had all my weekends free. So I think putting barriers on your time is quite a clever way of, of improving your work-life balance because it doesn't do it by itself. You have to actually do something to make it better. Yeah, that is such good advice. I'm exactly the same since I've become a stepmom of four kids. I was before that I was single, I was doing my own thing and I was exactly the same as you. And since I said, Hey, we've got the kids on weekends and I'm going to keep that time aside. And it really does change everything. And I think it's that nerve. Yeah. You get nervous of if I do this, I'm going to look like someone who doesn't work as hard and I'm going to lose clients. I'm going to lose, um, you know, the time to work, but it's like you say, the exact opposite. So great advice from you and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about today that was actually one of the topics but with you Chloe I have so many different I I don't know where to start because there's so many different things so what I really thought today could be about was e-commerce now and then what's next so I've got quite a few questions that I want to ask you but um, really that's so everyone knows we want to talk about finding time which is what you mentioned planning um, and then marketing ideas that you have seen some really cool ones that you've seen recently the industry does change so much so it's great that there are great ideas out there so I guess let's start off with planning so what are the main things that people should think about and do when it comes to planning their marketing for their business oh wow that's such a good good question because I find a lot of people are not growing their business like they should because they're just kind of firefighting with the marketing you know you wake up on Monday and go better get an email out um that's not a route to success uh so you know you may be doing fine by it but you're not doing as well as you should be or could be a little bit of planning goes a long way into helping you do things a lot better so Top planning tips. Well, I guess the first one, let's let's bring it back to time as we were just talking about. The first one would be actually put some time in your diary to do your marketing. Mm. It can be it can be really easy when you're running a, an e-commerce business to, for, to kind of just add marketing in with everything else. You know, and it's, it's like, oh, you've got this order, this customer service, this bit of product buying to do and all those other things that have to happen that marketing can end up getting squeezed into the last hour on a Friday. Um, so what I suggest doing is working out when the best time you do your marketing is. For me, it's the beginning of the week. That's when I've got the most energy. That's when I can be the most creative. So I try and keep Mondays free for doing my marketing, which is particularly difficult because you've got all that stuff that came in over the weekend wanting to distract you. But work, work out what it is for you and plan that into your diary. That's the first thing about marketing planning. So then number two, and I'm here with properly getting into marketing planning, is to sit down and do a calendar. I call them a promotional calendar. It's a spreadsheet where you've got um, across the top, you've got each of the weeks of the year. And you may want to sketch this for a year, but you're probably going to want to do it in detail for about three months at a time. 
So across the top, you've got week by week as the year goes by. Down the left-hand side, you've got various rows of information you want to capture. Now, the very first one of those rows should be big things that are happening in the world. Okay, so it could be Christmas. Um, it could be Diwali. It could be if the Olympics is happening that year or something big that's relevant to your business. Put those in. They're kind of like the pegs you're going to be hanging your marketing calendar off. And then under that, key things which are happening in your business, maybe when products go live, maybe you've got a new store opening, maybe it's your one-year anniversary of being in business. Put those in the second row. The third row is then going to be the promotions that you're running. So what are you talking about? What's the big message? This might be a financial message. So it might be a 10% off. It might be a free PMP weekend, or it might be something where there is no discount. You're just talking about what's new in or you're focusing on a particular product range and then the rows underneath that are one for each of your marketing methods and I suggest you start off by putting email in there and that plan as you work through it it will start to give you a really clear idea about what you need to be talking about when it will give you a plan that you can follow week on week where in that marketing time that you've identified to make sure you're making happen what you need to make happen to make your business grow and it's, um, I find it, it's a process I take all, or the great majority of my clients through. And it's still, like I've been using this method for about 10 years now, and it still brings a smile to my face when I walk into a client's office and see it up on the wall. So yeah, on the big whiteboard, I do a very similar one with my clients. So I know what you mean, but what you're saying, and I want everyone who's listening to think about this, what Chloe is saying right now is so amazingly important that if you don't do this, the rest of it, it's a foundational part of your business, isn't it, Chloe? Like without this, yeah. you get the rest of it. It's like, well, you know, if you don't know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks or what's coming up next month that you need to plan for and that you ought to be talking about, you know, what, you're missing so many opportunities. You know, it, it's a bit like going on November the 20th. Oh, Black Friday's about to happen. Mm. It's like, you know, you're, that's just, you're not setting yourself up for success. And it's not like it should be a surprise. <laughs> I, I, the amount of clients are saying to me, oh, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. What can I do as a promotion? Um, it's over. <laughs> Forget it. Yeah. Been and gone. Yeah. Should have been working on that one a month ago. Um, but then the other awful thing is people who, because they don't have a plan, they sell, I don't know, ironmongery, you know, sorry, I've been looking at that this morning, ironmongery, so door handles and they go to you, it's Valentine's day next week. What should we do? I'm like, you sell door handles. Really? There are better things for you to be talking about this week than Valentine's day. So it's, it's kind of, kind of, it, it can mean you, you're planned for the stuff you should be caring about, but it also means you have more time to realize actually Valentine's Day just isn't relevant for me. That is so true. And there's all these little days and this, what you're talking about in that first line, I talk about with publicity, like um, people yeah. do PR and you're sort of putting everything together and people don't realize how many little special days there are that would be so much more important to them. Like, you know, um, door handles there'll be other things that they can sell other days of the year that would actually tie in with door handles much better than valentine's day mm -hmm. so true it's like one of them one of the uh, people i've had on my podcast this year they've actually gone to the extent of creating their own week for their products um which is pretty cool because they, they create b bricks company that's called green and blue and they create b bricks 
which are like bricks with lots of holes in them, which are great for solitary bees, which are a really important part of the ecosystem. And they they created Solitary Bee Week that happened a couple of months ago. So fantastic. Get well planned enough and you can even create your own week. No, and I have heard of companies. I actually worked with a, um, a, a charity that did the same thing. They created their own day, yeah? So it's mm-hmm. definitely something that people can do. And you're giving people ideas that a lot of people are going to sit there going, well, th- that's too hard. But that is an example. How much would it cost someone to create their own week? It's nothing, is it? It's just got to, you've just got to start telling people about it. It's a web page, an email, and a couple of tweets at, yeah. at the most simplest. Or you could contact a few people and try and get them to do things. But, you know, all the, all the big days start small. You know, like Movember is now huge, but the first year that ran, it was really unusual to see someone with facial hair. <laughs> you know? It's exactly. little acorns, big, big, big oaks grow. Yeah, fantastic. So the calendar, is this something that you recommend that people set up? You said um, a year in advance, but just work on three months at a time. So don't feel overwhelmed at something you have to think about for the next year. I I have upon occasion recommended people just to look at three months, but when they get into it, loads of ideas tend to spin off and they're thinking about stuff that's going to happen in six months time. So I think it's worth having the full year in front of you so you can at least put it in the right boxes, which makes it a lot easier when you come to do the next three months. But I think in this, as things move so fast and businesses evolve so fast these days to, to decide, and what we're talking about this in August, to decide exactly what you're sending out on November 24th is probably a bit too detailed, but you should know you're definitely sending an email on November 20 or December 24th rather. So it's kind of the, within the, the next month, I'd always want to know what my subject lines were going to be and be a bit more kind of tied down to what's going into those emails. But beyond that, it becomes ever more sketchy and penciled in, I suppose. A sketchy as in like you're sketching an artwork, not as in awful. <laughs> yeah, so more, it's just an outline, which is fantastic. Yeah. A question on that, um, how many times do you think a e-commerce store should be sending out emails? Oh, I, it's one of those million dollar questions, isn't it? For very few businesses, is there an argument to be sending less often than once a week? Because I think very few businesses don't have something interesting to tell their audience about every week. And I think if you go if you go much below twice a month, so every other week, then people aren't going to remember you and you fall foul of all those spam and deliverability and all that techie stuff. There's a real benefit to going out regularly. So my general recommendation is once a week. For some businesses, I think it should be more often, but only if you've got the customer interest and the reason to be sending it more often. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. It's exactly what I say. And um, I, I keep on hearing some people that are giving this advice of, oh, it must be every day, no matter what, which I really like. And I think that's why you and I connect so well is because you have that same understanding that not every business is the same, like not every e-commerce store is the same, but don't be scared to email people. Yeah. It, it still amazes me. It amazed me back in 2007 when I set up the marketing agency that I'd go into a business that was turning over large sums of money in those days 
um, who had never sent an email. They had an email list of 60,000 and they never sent an email. It amazes me that still in 2018, I can speak to people who've got a couple of thousand people on their list who just aren't sending them anything. It's like this email should be the bedrock of your sales. And, you know, if you're not sending an email every week to your list, you are missing out. It's so true. I notice it from my emails. When I email my list, I straight away get people replying, hey, thanks for that. How can I sign up or how can I work with you? Yeah, if people really hate your emails and they think that you're a terrible person, then they'll just take themselves off their list and always have the unsubscribe button. So I think that's what a lot of people say to me and you probably get the same of, oh, but I'm scared I'm going to upset people. Yes, you've just got to, the only only real way I think to prove to someone you're not going to upset, upset people is to send an email. (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of have to prove to yourself that you're not going to upset people and it's I mean I, I, I find the stats fascinating and it's amazing to see what resonates and what doesn't resonate and it's often not what you think so a nice varied email marketing calendar is really important as well oh that's a really good tip so varied emails because the same thing every week ends up becoming you don't actually know if it's working because you're not sending anything that's different Exactly. And, it, you know, different people will respond to different things. If you go out every week talking about the same product and you've got, I don't know, four different product categories and you only ever talk about one of them, why don't you talk about one of the other three and mix up the message a bit to attract some different people to respond, to open those emails, to click through and to buy. So it not only does actually it make the job of putting emails together a bit more interesting, um, it also leads to more to a wider range of your customers coming back in and, and uh, buying from you. Mm, good idea. Good idea. And some other mistakes that people make. So email is definitely one of them. Email is a big mistake people make by not sending them. Do you have two or three other mistakes that people are making in their e-commerce stores when starting out? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, where to go with this one? Um, I think one of the, one of the big things I find, and I've, I've done a website review for someone this morning, so this one's a little bit front of mind, is not putting any kind of personality or trust building content on that first view homepage. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a homepage, which is just, here's our products. So mm. great. But why should I buy from you? Why does it matter? And even, you know, you can give me the argument as much as you like about the fact that you only set your business up yesterday and you've got no customers. Yes, but you've got you You've got the reasons you decided to create the business. You've got the fact you're running, I know, free PMP. You've got the fact you've got some kind of guarantee. You've got the fact that you've, you know, you've really researched this and the whole story of the business. You've got probably the fact that you've been been interested in this area for several years before you launched it. All of that can help convince someone to buy from you. And it's just, it's those bland emotionless homepages that I find is, is somewhere which a lot of new e-commerce businesses in particular fall down on. And I always like to say to them, would you buy from a website like that, that has no trust factors, has no information? You're sending someone to your website that doesn't know you and then you want them to buy something and they don't know if this is a real business or if there's any real person behind it. And, and you mentioned about PR earlier and that's a great way as a brand new business of getting something trustworthy that you can put on the homepage. If you, you know, if you can get mentioned even in local press or in, you know, just a, a niche blogger in your area and you can get that onto your 
you know, get them to say something nice about you. Quite get grab that quote, grab their logo, put it on your homepage. You're showing someone else with some level of influence actually likes your product, and that can be you know hugely beneficial in the early days. Yeah, that's so true. And do you have other mistakes people make? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, which one? Which one should we talk about? Oh, uh, not optimizing. That would be the big one. Can't believe it. I nearly forgot about that one. Um, putting advertising live and not looking at it by which I mean Facebook ads or Google ads Google ads in particular people are awful at doing this you build some keyword ads you put some ads up there you turn it on spending 10 pounds a day 20 pounds a day 100 pounds a day and then you don't look at it for a fortnight it's it's crazy because um, the marketing agency I ran, we specialized in Facebook ads and Google ads. And I've done Google ads for e-commerce businesses with big budgets, personally run them since about 2005, I think was the first time I got my hands on an actual account. And the, the first 24 hours after you put some keywords live, you can slash your costs by, I know, 20 to 30% by doing the quick optimization. And then it's going to, it takes you about three months. If you're properly dedicated to it, it's three months before you really understand how those keywords are going to work for you. And that's with at least a weekly optimization session. And it's, you know, you're just throwing money away if you just put it live and go, oh, that's done. I can ignore it till next month. Just, sorry, you can tell I'm quite passionate about this. <laughs> it, really, it really frustrates me, you know, because you're just giving money away for no good reason. Um, and the other thing, whilst I'm on, I'm on the optimization of ads hobby horse, is on this one, oh, this bugs me, is boosting posts on Facebook. Okay, just, tell me, tell me. It's just such a waste of money. Um, if you're going to spend money advertising on Facebook, you should be creating a proper advert and deciding properly who it goes in front of. And the things you put, you craft into an advert. I'm actually drawing this out on the desk in front of me as I'm saying it. Um, the things you put in a, in a Facebook ad, the type of image, the type of copy, the way you do the links, is completely different to the things you put in a Facebook post to try and get interaction. So you create specific content for adverts and specific content for your page. So why spend 10 pounds here and there on some Facebook boost posts? Stop doing it for the next 10 you normally would do. That gives you a hundred quid. Go and run a proper Facebook ad test with that hundred pounds and you will get much, much, much more bang for your buck. So why do you think that Facebook always suggests to do them just to make money? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's there. It's like the entry drug into facebook ads properly if they keep because if you start doing a few boost posts you'll see you get increasing messages from facebook to try and get you to go and log into ads manager and start doing it properly so it's their way of advertising you into their advertising area but it's it's such a it's such, such an inefficient way of spending your advertising budget there are so many you know it's so much better if you go and actually do a proper advert on Facebook. You will learn so much more. You will be able to optimize so much more and then your next hundred pounds will be spent so much better. No, that's great advice. I sort of um, stay away from, not for everyone, but I usually tell people to stay away from Facebook ads in general, but that's a really good tip of staying away from the boosted posts anyway. So on that topic, how 
which businesses do you think work on Facebook ads and which ones don't these days? Because I'm sure you've been very um, close to working with Facebook ads for a long time. So you would know the difference, how things have changed. What have you seen the differences are? What do you see now when it comes to Facebook ads? And what sort of e-commerce stores work well on Facebook and which ones don't? That's a good question. Um, It's rare I find a business that I can't think of something that would be useful for them on Facebook ads or that might, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say would be, I should say might be useful for them because you've got to test it to know if it's going to work or not. Um, So it depends on the strategy that you're deploying and the, the, the strategy being, for example, are you doing a brand awareness video to try and identify people to put more um, call to action driven marketing in front of, or are you running some remarketing ads to get people back to your, to your um, website to buy? So the strategy really depends on who it's going to work for and who it's not going to work for. You know, if you've got bright, shiny, cool, distracting, silly, beautiful product that's going to distract someone as they're looking at their pictures of cats and, um, you know, builders doing silly things or whatever it is they're looking Mm -hmm. at today on Facebook. Um, if you've got a product that's going to distract and be that impulse purchase, then you're, you know, you're probably going to do really well on Facebook. It's going to be easy to work out the right Facebook, um, ad strategy for you. If you've got a product that's more considered, that's more, um, that's more complicated, that's more niche, then the chances are you're going to be better off with the remarketing. Um, so I mentioned door handles earlier. I don't think you're going to distract anyone from a cat video who's never been to your website with a picture of a door handle. I may be wrong. Um, <laughs> feel free to tell Depends me. who your target market is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong on that front. Um, but for that sort of business, the you know door handles. If you're trying to change the door handles in your house, it's something you you think about for a while and it kind of mulls around the back of your head. So it may be that the remarketing is going to work well for you. And then um, just an example of, of a company who came on my podcast actually and to talk about this, who I would never have thought Facebook ads were going to work for them, is a business um, called Taylor and Hart who do custom engagement rings. So you go on their website, start designing your ring, and then you book a consultation with them. Now, I would have thought... Um, an engagement ring site would uh, would not go in for remarketing and for ads on Facebook, etc. Because you know, on Facebook, you know when someone is engaged, but you don't know when someone's planning on getting engaged. There's no status signal for that. So for that reason, I would thought they'd be on there. And then you know, how about if you're if you're plotting the ultimate engagement moment, and your girlfriend picks up your iPad, and then suddenly gets bombarded with a load of adverts for engagement rings. I would have thought if they'd have come to me and said, how should we be advertising? I would not have told them to touch Facebook with a barge pole, Mm. but it's one of their best channels because they put out a video to to the whole of the UK that um, simply says, this is who we are and this is what we do. Just explains the engagement ring design process. People who watch the video, they turn into an interested audience and they put ads in front of that audience. And it's one of their best recruitment channels for new clients. So there's, if you can find the right strategy, then it's great. But for a lot of small businesses, you can spend, and if it's not an immediate no-brainer, you can spend a lot of money trying to find that right strategy. So it has to be approached with care, just like most marketing channels need to be. 
Yeah, interesting. And that's exactly it. Yeah, it comes down to trying things out, but also taking a look at where your audience is and um, testing before anything else. And, and understanding that trying any of these out, it's not just a case of, okay, on Wednesday, I'm going to give Facebook ads a go. Oh, look, it didn't work. I'll ignore that. It's, you know, you've got to give it a couple of months of often of testing and trying to really understand if it's going to work for you. The no answers tend to come in a lot quicker, but the yes answers tend to take a couple of months of testing and optimizing and trying. So you've got to be committed if you want to give something a good test. No, that's really good advice because what I find with a lot of people, especially through Just Ask Parker, they're um, in that lower budget. They've got a lower budget. So they go in, someone told them to do Facebook ads. They'll go and put in $10, $20, $30. It doesn't work. And then they go, I've just wasted all that money. And now, you know, Facebook ads are not working for me. But they didn't think it through. They didn't plan it. And yeah, they put $30 into something that was never going to work under those circumstances. Exactly. And it's, it's like um, you came on or you will be on the summit um, with me talking about influencer marketing. And it's like you can't just send one email to one influencer and then go, it doesn't work for me because they never replied. It's like, well, you've got to send them at least several emails and you've got to, um, you know, you want to try multiple influencers, not just the one. It's, you know, you have to persist at these marketing methods to know if they work or not, not just go, I sent one email, it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. That's really good advice. And so we spoke about, you touched on it earlier, you spoke about um, the bright shining objects. What are the dangers with bright shining objects that you can give some advice to the listeners about? Oh, bright shiny objects. I just, in case anyone's wondering what a bright shiny object is, it's one of those things that lands in your inbox I know um, there's many of them around at the moment. Uh, what, what big mark? Maybe chatbots or live chat or Facebook Messenger or something. It arrives in your inbox and you go, "Oh my god, that sounds amazing!" <laughs> and and so you you disappear off and you spend the next three days working on that rather than what you'd already planned to do and what you know would work. And then you realise actually this isn't going to work for us we haven't got the volume we're the wrong product category our customers don't want it so it's those things which look really nice and exciting that distract you from what you should be doing and what i should also say is that bright shiny objects are not necessarily a bad thing the bad thing is when you drop everything you should be doing to focus on them rather than evaluating them and deciding when you should work on them. So the, the danger of the bright shiny object is it distracts you from what you should be doing and leads you to invest money, time and effort in things you shouldn't be doing right now. Um, but the good thing about bright shiny objects is if you see one and you're like, that is definitely something for me, put it on your list, put it on your marketing calendar, put it on. I mean, I keep a list um, in, a, in one of my spreadsheets of things I'm going to do next quarter. And if I see a great, bright, shiny object that I know, well, that I really want to do, but which I'm like, I, I mustn't touch it now because I've got more important things to be doing. I'll put it on that list, my list of things for next quarter. And then I can come back to it then and properly evaluate it and decide, is it something that's going to be worth my time working on for the next quarter? So bright, shiny objects are a real danger. It doesn't mean you should stop getting excited about things, but it does mean you, should, you shouldn't you should stop everything and drop everything in order to go and chase after them. 
It's so true. And (laughs) we both know that from personal experience, like you said, there's things that you've wanted to do on the same, but we also know that from clients, yeah, that get too wrapped up in that, you know, the new thing that's out there and then forget about the things that they should be concentrating on that they're already making some money on or we're still testing things out. So it's a good idea to stick to what they're doing. And I think that that's just human nature. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just the way we are as people that, you know, we see something and we think that it's going to help us. And, and unfortunately, a lot of our industry is set up to put bright, bright, shiny objects in front of us. And one of the things I think it's particularly tough for an e-commerce business is if, if you're, you see a lot of things put in front of you that are actually irrelevant for you, um, either things which actually are e-commerce focused, but quite often things which are about lead generation you know, every so often I get a client coming to me who are really excited about LinkedIn ads because they've been to a networking breakfast where someone was gave this fantastic presentation about LinkedIn ads and they're selling dresses to teenagers. Mm. And I'm like, it's not relevant for you. Like, yeah, but it's really cool. I said, yeah, it's really cool. And I love that you're excited about it, but you're not going to find your audience on there. And we've got these other things that you should be working on that we know are either starting to, to give you money, bring you money, bringing you money or have a lot more potential for you. So it's so in some ways, the, the, the wider digital industry, it can be set up a little bit to, um, to put too many bright, shiny objects in front of you. So, so be careful. Yes, I a hundred percent agree. So great advice because that's definitely something people need to think about. And it does become hard of what is important, but I think that's why working with someone like you or someone like me, where we mm-hmm. work across the board on many different areas, we give the advice of what's best. And while there's some people that specialize, which I love, and I think it's fantastic and specializing is great. Some of those specialists, like you said, LinkedIn, and I've been to a conference where I've seen it as well. And that person says, Everyone has to be on LinkedIn. It works for everyone, but that's because that's the only thing they can sell. So then they're selling it. So I think for the listeners, Mm -hmm. it's good to get that advice from someone who specializes, but also from someone like us and like the, what you're doing is, Hey, let's find out what's best for your business. Well, it's like the, um, the virtual summit that you mentioned at the beginning and that you're part of. I, you know, at the beginning of each set of videos, I do a little intro video, which will be, here's what's coming up in this set. Now, please remember, not all of this is going to be relevant for you. Please do watch it all so you know what your options are. But it's just as good if you watch one of those videos and go, this is definitely not for me, or this is a 2019 project, or this is a when we hit 100K turnover project. That's awesome because you know there's something there to help you when you reach that point in time. But you've got to... You know, anyone who comes on the summit, who, who watches the summit and tries to implement all 20 marketing ideas, they're doomed to failure. So mm. it's, you know, this bright, shiny objects thing, it's, it's very important to be aware of when they're happening. You go, ah, bright, shiny objects. I shall put you on my next quarter to-do list. Or sometimes bright, shiny objects. Oh my God, why haven't I been doing you already? You are far better marketing strategy than what I've already got written down, which, which does sometimes happen with those bright, shiny objects because... Often the, the source of our growth lies in the things we don't know we don't know. Oh, that's so deep, but it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us as well um, the latest marketing techniques. I, you know, you're one of those people that especially you've got this summit coming up and that summit, like you said, there's 20 different topics that you're talking about. 
and you did one last year as well, a summit, and you're across so many different areas. So I think you're a great one to ask, what are the latest marketing ideas, techniques that you're seeing that you think will help people that are out there listening? Well, my favorite no-brainer marketing method at the moment is a free one. And this is a bright, shiny object, which is if you've got a decent product feed, you know, something you're sending into Google Merchant Center or something, this is an utter no-brainer for you. It's a business called Price Searcher who are who, who tagline themselves as the biggest search engine you've never heard of. And they are um, a product search engine. They're in most countries around the globe, but have a look and see if they are in your area. And they will take your Google product feed, add you into their database, and send you traffic for free. There is like some paid stuff coming in a couple of years' time or something. But at the moment, um, and then the main data bulk of the database, the main bulk of the search engine will remain free. You know, at some point they'll have like Google have ads around the edges. So that one is an absolute no-brainer. It doesn't cost you a penny. will bring you some traffic that wants to buy your products. Fantastic. And if yeah, if you've already got that product feed set up, it's like, got to put that in. So I've, I've got um, one of their team talking about that in the summit because I was like, as soon as, soon as I heard about it, I was like, you have to be on the summit because more people need to know about you. Mm. So, so that's that's kind of like the quick no-brainer. Other things, it's, um, as we've already talked about, I think Facebook ads, if you can find the right strategy, um, it can be a brilliant thing for your business. But there's, there's certainly a lot to be said for getting someone who's got some experience's point of view on what that right strategy might be because just like you can waste a lot of money just boosting posts, you can waste a lot of money chasing the wrong strategy. And as we've said, you really need to commit to it to get the optimization done and happening. Uh, there's some really interesting things in Google AdWords at the moment with RLSA, which is remarketing list for search engine engines even. Um, but that's quite techy. So if you want to know more about that one, have a listen to the session in the summit because um, I will bore you all if I try and explain it here without the joy of graphics because graphics are quite, quite important for that one. Um, I just realised I'm in, I'm in danger of just reading you a list because I've got the list of who's in the summit in front of me. So let me pick. Should I pick one more really good one? Yes, perfect. Let's do one more. Again. Okay. This one's a bit left field. This is one I find quite exciting. It's a lot of work, um, but not necessarily a lot of money. And it's crowdfunding, which I know most people think of in terms of product launches and business launches. But if you do a crowdfunding project right, it can be an amazing way of building an audience who are super excited about your product, super bought into your business and who will keep buying from you for the months after a crowdfunding project. So I know of e-commerce businesses who now have, who now run a crowdfunding project every year and that's their major piece of marketing activity. They wow. put one product they design ready for the crowdfunding. So that's a, a bit of a left field one um, and it's, it's a big project. It's definitely not something you can do on Wednesday. Um, but, but there you go. That's, that's quite a, a new and different method, which if you can get it to work for you, is something which is going to return for you year on year on year each time you do it. Fantastic. But you actually talk about that more in the summit. You actually cover that topic? Yeah, I've got um, a guy called Giles on who runs an agency called Hyperstarter who is 
he spends his days running crowdfunding campaigns and growing crowdfunding campaigns. And he's done something like several million pounds worth of business he's driven through it. So he comes on and talks about how to do it successfully because something like only it's a tiny percent, you know, it's, it's less than half of crowdfunding projects actually get funded. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunity to win at crowdfunding if you actually know how to do it. Um, Cause it's, it's a, there's a bit of a blueprint to follow. Let's put it that way. No, that's true. So tell us a little bit more about the summit before we finish up, because I think that you've whetted a lot of people's appetites there with what you're talking about. So what's in the summit? When does it start? How can people sign up? Because I know it's free because I'm one of the speakers at it. So I know that people can sign up for free and there's so much amazing content. So let us know about it. Yeah, you should definitely come along, if only for Caroline's session, because it's oh, brilliant. Um, all about influencer marketing. Um, okay, so the summit is the e-commerce master plan virtual summit. It contains 20 ways to improve your e-commerce marketing. So 20 separate sessions all about a different e-commerce marketing tactic. It is completely free. Um, it is available over two days. We're putting all the sessions live. You'll have 48 hours to watch each session. And it's happening on September the 18th and 19th. That's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Um, and it's um, last year we ran the summit and the audience, we got over a thousand delegates and they loved it, giving us an overall review score of 4.8 out of five. So it's, it's high quality, just in case you haven't worked that one out yet. It's really high quality content. It's going to be really useful for your business for the rest of the year and beyond. And you can find it all by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Fantastic. So we're going to finish up there because I think that you've given people a lot to think about and they're probably going, I need to write notes. I need to go and start that calendar. Get my spreadsheet, get the whiteboard, let me start a calendar. And I think that's the first thing two things everyone should do, go away and create a calendar and also get on that summit, sign up for it because it's completely free. And um, Chloe, it's been amazing having you here. It's, we've got a million other things and I'm sure we'll have you back at another stage later on after the summit so we can talk about, you know, maybe a wrap up of everything that happened. And yeah, that'll be great to have you back, but it's been great having you here today. Uh, Caroline, it's always a pleasure to chat to you and I hope it's been useful for all your listeners. So thank great. you very much. Definitely has been. Thank you so much, Chloe. And thanks everyone for listening and see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash winning with Shopify and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And as a listener, get 20% off at justaskparker.com by using the code podcast.